0: If you were here, um, and, and I just got to say this about Youth Weekend, one of my fears about this weekend is that for many people here in the church, like talking about students feels like it's not a message for you. So if you're a student, this kind of feels like a student teacher conference, right, um, where, where another adult is talking to your parents about you and this is not a fun thing um, often, and so, and and then there's the rest of you, and uh, you have, um, like, you have a great life, because, well, like, teenagers are awesome, but you don't have them in your home anymore, and so uh, the idea of talking about teenagers, this just doesn't feel as relevant, and and my hope is, is that what we have to share and look at from God's word, I, I think is going to be helpful for everybody. I think it's going to be helpful for students. I think it's going to be helpful for you that, that, that don't have a student in your home. But if you're a parent here, man, this is, this is I know, right where you're at. And so I just want to pray for us about this, that God would God would use this to be a blessing to everybody. And then we'll jump into this. So why don't you pray with me, Lord Jesus uh, we, we do just thank you for this place that we can gather and, and sing about you and to be together. And um, on, a, on a beautiful day, God, honestly, there's nothing that we would uh, rather do. This is, this is a great thing for us to do here together tonight. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to be a blessing to one another as we're here. And, and God, as we present your word, I, I, pray, I pray that it would be helpful for all. God, we love the... We love the students that you've put in this place and that you've brought to Gateway and the ways that you're working in their lives. And um, Lord, we just want to admit that we need help with them. And so I pray that you would use your scriptures today, that you would use my words to help us uh, with the students in our lives. And again, we thank you for them. And, And so God, use this and help us to have open, receptive hearts to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I got to start off by saying that I love my mom. This is not a secret that I am a mama's boy, and many of you, if you've been around Gateway for very long, um, you you know my mom because uh, for years she was very very involved here at Gateway, and until she moved up to Seattle a couple years ago. And then and then if you've been around Gateway for a long time, like you remember my dad. And uh, you, you remember him being around before he went to be with the Lord, and so um, a lot of people, when I, when I talk about my parents, people, um, people know who they are, although the, I know that's many of you that that's not the case, but, but many of you still don't know what it was like to grow up in my home. And so I just wanted to share a little bit about that and just tell you a little bit about like what it was like to grow up in the Caleb household when I was a kid. And and, and I had to be honest that, that it was actually a really good place to grow up. I, I, I don't think our, our home was perfect by any means, but um, you know the, the more people that I interact with, the more um, students that I get to watch, like it was a great place for me to grow up. And, and, and I, was, I was blessed that I was there. And, and a big part of that was that my parents, parents, parents loved and submitted their lives to Jesus. And and this was something that was evident. It it wasn't talked about all the time. Um, We didn't have daily Bible study in my home or anything like that, but it was just evident that they submitted their lives to Jesus. And the other thing that was evident is that my parents just loved people. In fact, this was um, this was something that really drove their life. Now, now, if you know my parents, they're not social butterflies. I mean, they, they were not out at every function, everywhere. This is not really their style at all. But, um, but they really uh, loved the people that God brought into their lives. And, and our home was a place where um, people always were because of that. And, and for the most part, the, 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 the fact that my home was open growing up, like this was a really, really good thing. In fact, my, my parents made some really strategic decisions um, about our home and about the kind of place that it was going to be. See, when I was young, um, we lived way out of Estacada. So if you've ever heard of Estacada, this is, if you can imagine Washugal and you cut off Camas... And you take some of kind of the higher end homes off out of the hill. And then you move it about 20 minutes up the gorge. This is Estacada. This is about kind of the size and uh, the place. And then we lived about 15, 20 minutes out of town, way up there. We were hill people. And and then when I was five, my parents sold that place way up there. And we moved about two minutes out of town. And we really did that um, to be closer to people. Um, and And they really bought a home that, in their mind, was about um, being open and welcoming people there they there There was a shop there that had a concrete floor that we turned into a basketball court. This was awesome and uh they they didn 't have a lot of money, but they saved money and they bought a pool and so uh on sunny days in the northwest, which is rare um, but but this is what happened like our home um, just kids congregated there everybody from the neighborhood about noon this is what happened people just started calling or showing up and and my mom always had extra towels and she made popsicles every day like kool-aid pour them in the plastic and so about two o'clock she would walk through and you know another round of popsicles for everybody and uh, and this was understood that people were, were welcome in our home and this was amazing for me as a as a kid man my friends could come over and they could they could be a part of the things that I like to do. And as as my sisters and I got into middle school and high school, this, this really didn't change. In fact, uh, the living room in our home, or or we had a living room and then we had a family room. And that was really a protected place that, that we could have friends there over. And we could watch movies, we could play games. Um, again, we didn't have a lot of money, but we always had a little bit of extra food to feed all of these people who would come over. And so, um, so this was a great thing. I mean, youth group was at our house house often um, friends were welcome there um, as long as they uh, you know kind of followed the same rules that we did they uh, they were welcome in our home and I, I loved this and, and this was really because my, my parents were were committed to loving people I, I just didn't think about it it was just awesome and it was a good thing, but there was also challenges of that, too, because, you know, my parents uh, loved people. So this was awesome for all my friends that came over, but they also brought all kinds of other people over, too. And so um, oftentimes Sundays after church, whoever showed up at church ended up at our house and we would eat food together. And oftentimes I wanted to watch football or do something else, but I had to kind of be polite and, and, and meet people. And my dad uh, loved him so much, but he was a magnet for um, just odd people. And, um, and he had a way of inviting them along with everything that we would do. So he would come to me and say, Hey, let's go play some golf. And I'd be like, yeah, this is great. And, and then as we're driving to the golf course, he would say, Oh yeah, this guy from work, he's going to be there too. And, and we're going to play golf. And I'd be so frustrated with that. And, and, and I wasn't frustrated because I felt like I had to share my dad with other people. I was just frustrated that I was going to have to be polite. Uh, I, just, I, I just wanted to go out there. I wanted to play golf. I wanted to get the best score that I could. And, and, and again, often some of the guys that he would bring, if this was you, no offense, but um, they weren't great golfers. And so we would spend so much time like looking for balls and, and letting other people play through. And, um, but this was reality for me. This was a regular thing that happened. Probably the most difficult thing that happened Growing up is when I was a senior in high school, um, it had a lot of great things going for me. Um, I actually had a girlfriend at the time, and this was a miracle. And, um, and, and you know, doing school and basketball and all this kind of stuff. And I, I remember coming home from practice one day, and my parents set my sister and I down. And they said, um, th- there's somebody that is looking for a place to stay, and we're wondering if our house could be that. And so they started to tell us about, uh, it was a girl that went to our high school and, and literally she did not know us very well. She knew my mom because my mom drove bus for the cross country team. And that's the only way that she met her. And out of the blue, she called up my parents and said, I know you sort of, and I need a place to stay for like a week. What do you think? And so we talked about this, and we, um, we kind of wrestled with this as a family. And I wasn't super excited about it, but we decided, like, we should do this. And if you've ever welcomed anybody into your home like that, um, you know how that goes. A-, a week actually turned into a year and a half. And um, we, we started to discover that this girl actually had come out of an incredibly abusive situation. And so as she got in a safe environment, um, how that situation affected her life kind of came out in some of these emotional and mental um, experiences. And so I, I think the best word to describe it was just awkward. Like It was an awkward year and a half. Some of the things that happened in our home I had to, I had to lock my door to my to my room. Um, at times, I would be in the middle of class and, and, and the school counselor would call me out to, to to help me deal with this girl and some of the things that were going on because I knew how to relate to her because she was in our home and and, and, and this was kind of, again, the reality. There was an amazing thing that, that, that my parents were committed to people, committed to community, but it had a hard edge to it, too. I mean, people are just messy. And, and I share that with you tonight because, um, because tonight we're going to talk about community. And, and when I look back at my parents, there was a lot of things that my parents didn't, probably could have done better. But Like, I think we could have had longer conversations about big things in life. We could have talked more about sex. Um, we could have talked more about dating. We could have talked more about God in some ways. But, but one of the things that I think they did well in our home was that they brought the classrooms right in our face. <laughs> Um, They they just did How, how they lived their life and particularly how they were committed to loving people and living as a community of God's people. They brought that right home to our face. And this is how young people learn. In fact, this is great as we think about anything that we want to teach the young people in our life. But particularly when we think about community. But tonight, as we talk about how do we teach living as a people to students, so I want us to learn from my parents. It's not, about, it's not about outlines. It's not about ideas as much as the best way to teach students to be a people is to live as a people yourself. Like This is how we really learn. So if you were here last week, we, we talked a lot about um, the fact that God has saved us to be a people. That that we really, even as an adult, we we are kind of in this um, identity crisis, this um, this search for for answering the question of who we really are. And this is a this is a really important question for us to answer, right? If you were here last week, we we talked about that how you answer that question um, has a tendency to drive what you do in your life. So you get a a sixth grade girl who somebody tells her that she's a gymnast and this. Uh, This drives how she functions, what she does with everything else in in her life. And so forming the right identity is really, really important for us. And what we said last week is the, the, the good news about what Jesus has done is he secures for us a new identity. When we receive Christ, he tells us who we are. This is given to us. And, and this new identity, it's, a, it's a very wide and it's a very deep thing. Some of it has to do with you as an individual before God, that you are um, in Christ, you are a dearly loved child of God. This is a great secure place for, for me as an individual. But, but what scripture is also saying is not only is that your identity, that you're a child of God, but you are also a people. In fact, this is what Peter was trying to communicate um, through his letter when he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. This is part of the the, the salvation message is that we are saved um, to be repaired and right with one another. Other, not just God and so so we're invited in or, or, or ident- our identity is that we could be a community a community where where people are actually committed to one another where, where we belong to one another and In a community where everybody has something to offer, everybody has something to bring from the youngest to the oldest and the the, the most mature to the very newest believer, everybody has something to bring and it's for the good of the whole. And, and, And so because of this, in this community that we're saved into, our actions affect one another. And, and we have the opportunity to have an equal concern for one another, to serve one another, to, to feel what others feel. This is what we're saved into. And so, so the challenge last week was for us. I mean, is, is that how we live? Are we living out this identity in our life? Are we committing to people? Are we, are we adjusting our lives for, for the sake of the, uh, the group of people that God has called us to be a part of? And what we want to do tonight is we just want to take that message and we want to look at the students and the young people in our lives and, and ask the question, is that message for them? Or, or, or maybe we could, we could phrase it this way, um, when, when should we expect students and young people to live like this? I mean, when we talk about living as a community, is this something that, like, like, we want to talk to five-year-olds about? Is it for 13-year-olds? Is it for 20-year-olds? Like, when? Is this something that we need um, to teach young people? And, and this is kind of a, an important question for us to answer, especially if you have young people in your life. You, you, you want to know the answer to this. And, and as a youth pastor, I, I just got to say that this is probably one of the toughest most difficult thing to teach young people, to live as a community. I mean, this is just difficult because have you been around kids lately? Like little kids, have you been around little kids lately? Little kids are, um, you know, they're, they're in this world where they are so egocentric, right? Which is kind of like a big word for saying they just think about themselves and they have a, they have a hard time, um, you know, looking outside of themselves and thinking about others and how their, their actions affect others and what others need and all this kind of stuff. And so a, a group of kids, if you, if you put them together, when a kid walks into that group, their first thought is, what do I get out? of it what's this for me like uh, like what's going to be good for me in this group of people and so if you if you want to try to teach them um, to live in community it's a lot of like fighting for that and a lot of discussions like you need to share um do you like it when other people hit you like that? Uh, a lot of these kinds of conversations that you have with, with, with young kids. And then when you think about middle school students and high school students, as they're growing up, there's a, there's a potential to move beyond this. And, and especially as they um, interact with Jesus, God, God wants to create and move us um, in this direction in our lives. But this is still a difficult thing when you're young. I mean, students, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they live in a culture where community is talked about sometimes, but not in the way that God talks about it. And and it's really a culture where the focus of it is, is you're an individual. You need to kind of get what you deserve. And it's actually really inconsistent, um, because, because in a student's mind, there's a lot of things that they deserve from other people that other people owe them. But there's very little thought about what they owe other people. Um, but this is, how, um, this is how we're taught to think. And it's a culture that thinks a lot about the long-term plans in a young person's life. And this is a really good thing to, uh, to, to take young people and tell them that life is more than just middle school and high school. That things happen after high school. You, you graduate, then what? What? And, and so there's a lot of pressure to kind of figure out, like, are you going to go to college? What career are you going to have? Make some of these decisions. And, and, and this is the overwhelming pressure on kids. And, and, and this is a good thing, but what happens is this trumps just telling kids to be healthy relationally right now. Like we just don't get around to talking about that. Because there's so many pressures and so many, so many decisions to make for the future and and students they, they they pick up on this from culture and so students a lot of times they will talk about their friends and that they want to be around them but still in the end it's about what their friends give to them today and not about being a community and so this is a tough thing like being a people um, learning to, to think about yourself as an individual before God but a part of a whole, this is, this is not the norm and this is a countercultural thing. And so honestly, sometimes I, I hear this and I ask myself, well, well, can we actually wait to talk about this? I mean, can we just let kids kind of grow up and hopefully they don't make bad decisions and they, you know, get out of high school without getting somebody pregnant and um, without doing anything like drugs or anything like that? And then they can graduate, they can get a job, they can have a family, and then they can learn to be a people. It's just something that kind of gets left behind. And so I want to look at what Peter's saying, and, and when he's saying, no, in Christ, you are a chosen people, and I want to ask the question, well, what does he mean by you? Is it just adults? Is it young people, too? What does he mean? And so this week, I did a little bit of reading. This is the great thing about a letter is we can read and we can say, well, well, who is Peter writing this letter to? Who is he thinking about when he writes this letter? And so in, in 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 1, it says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect. Strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and, and, and Asia and Bithynia. In other words, um, he's mentioning all of these different regions around much of the known world at that time. And, and so Peter, when he's writing this, we, it would be fair to say that he's kind of thinking about people scattered throughout the world. And, and, and what kind of people? He says, well, you who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father... Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood. Which is just a really wordy way of saying people who have received Jesus. They're right with him. They're in relationship with God. And when Peter is writing about you, those who are a people of God, he's thinking of anybody who knows Jesus. And so if I'm sitting face to face with the sixth grade boy, I'm saying, if he knows Christ, this applies to him. He needs to start thinking about this. This is something that in Christ, God has made him to be. And this is how it is in God's kingdom with with God's people: is that young people are invited to participate, and and God does significant things through young people. And there's um, there's a lot of understanding that's what's happening for adults. It's it's happening for kids as they come to Jesus, and and it's frustrating to God when when we make it hard for younger people. I mean, I was just thinking about um, what happened with Jesus and his disciples. And so his disciples were getting frustrated that people were bringing their little children to Jesus for him to touch them and bless them. And, and, and they kind of had this attitude is that the young people are kind of a bother. And, and, and Jesus has important big people things to do. And so they were sending them away. And, and, and it says in Mark 10 that when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to to such as these. This is is the invitation that, that young people can participate and interact with Jesus too. And with that, have the expectations that in Christ and through him, we can be a people. Even though we're young, we're usually selfish. This isn't natural for us at first. And so as you read throughout scripture, there's really a challenge placed on on those of us who are older, who who have walked with God, who have experienced things in our life. The challenges of us is in, in this community of believers is that we are committed to teaching young people everything about God. I love how the psalmist says it in Psalm 78. He says, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we won't hide them from their children. We'll actually tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. This is a great commitment that he's making. I want, I want young people to get this. I, I want them to hear these things. I'm going to be committed to teaching them why, he goes on to say, so that the next generation would know them. And even the children yet to be born, that's us. And they in turn would tell their children and they would put their trust in God and they would not forget his deeds but would keep his commandments. And so we want to teach them the full gospel. And we want to look at the young people in our lives and we want to say, God has made you not just to be forgiven and right with him, but God has made you to be a people. So let's talk about how that works. Let's start to think like this, even when you're young. And so the question becomes, how do we do this? I mean, how do you teach a young person to live in in this way? And I think that's where we end up in in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I I want you to just turn there because to me, um, this is the most helpful passage possibly in all of Scripture about how you teach young people. See, a lot of times people will come and say they they don't want to listen. I'm talking and they're not getting it. And God in his love for his people, he he gives us advice. And and he did it for his people back in Moses' day. And that's what we read here in Deuteronomy is that that God in his love for his people um, is teaching them how to live as a nation under him. And so if you read the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is kind of um, reflecting on the past 40 years and, and, and how God brought them out of slavery in Egypt and Egypt and, and the things that he had done. And in chapter 5, um, there's the Ten Commandments there. Um, and, and that God, that as he realized that these people are coming out of slavery and, and, and they had no idea how to function together. They've never been a nation. They had lived under slavery forever. And so, so God, in his love, he tells them how to live. That, that's what these commandments are. They're not things that we do so that we can be right with God. It's because we're in relationship with God. This is how we can live. And so God gives them these, these commandments, and, and, and some of them are about how they relate to their God, that they would trust him and, and, and keep him first in their lives, and that they would live a life of faith. And then the other six are about a community, how we relate to one another, how we live in community. And, and so Moses, as he tells them about this, then he goes on in chapter 6, and he says, these commandments that I've given you today, they're to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. We should teach these things. We should teach it all. And how do we do this? Well, he goes on to say, we'll talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on their foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How do you teach young people? A big part of it is the culture that you create Around them. See, again, a lot of times we think, ah, I, want, I want young people to get this. And so we, we talk at them and, and, and we threaten. And, and, and sometimes we, we do have to say no. But, uh, but what we find is, is that often is still frustrating. But, but God's advice for us and God's invitation is how we, how we teach young people is we create a culture around them. This isn't something to be taken literally, although I thought if we did that I could pass out Sharpies today and, and we could just all start writing verses on our arms and on our foreheads and you can go home and write and, and them all over your house. And, and, and this maybe could get the word out there and we could have some discussion. But again, um, it, it's not about that. It's about our culture. And see, when we want to teach young people to live as a community, culture is there. It's important. We have to look at the culture in our church and in our home. Is this a place where community is practiced? Where young people come in here and they do see adults committed to one another. Uh, adults who, who, who are committed to maybe coming early and staying late so we can talk to one another, we can serve one another, and we could bring what we have to the table. Remember we said, though, that this is hard to do in a worship service. And so, uh, so a culture where people are committed outside of a worship service to one another, that, that students would grow up in that. And I, I think the best place where we set culture with young people is in your home. That again, my parents weren't perfect, but they created a home where community was understood. The, the, the doors open. We, we buy a little bit of extra food because people might st- stop by and, and we'll actually invite them to. And, and, and your friends will be committed to helping um, young people have their friends over in our home so we can live in this way and we can interact in the way that God wants us to. That if I'm going to do something, I think about who else I can do it with. I mean, this isn't really difficult stuff. That we start to think in these ways in our homes and in our church. And and as I read scripture, I think the word for this often is the word hospitality. And a lot of times when we think about hospitality, we think of of it as a gift, right? It's spiritual gift. And so certain people are are really hospitable and they know how to make their house nice and they know how to make really nice things and um, they invite people over all the time. But as I'm reading scripture, um, the assumption and the challenge that God is putting to all of his people is, is that because God has loved you and actually been hospitable with you, so we would share with God's people who are in need and we would all practice hospitality that this is a skill that even if you're not fully gifted in it that, that that we still like our house doesn't have to be super nice and and we don't have to always have the stuff put away and everything clean but it's open it, it, people are welcome and this is the invitation and, and this is huge for your kids but but it's also huge for other people's kids too I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but but in a church our size, there's a lot of students in our ministry who have amazing parents. You guys are phenomenal. You love Jesus. You love them. They have the possibility of growing up in a home where Jesus is focused on. But we also have many who are not. And this is just the reality. Like God, God saves young people. A friend invites them, somehow they hear the gospel, they meet Jesus, and they're looking for a place to learn. And so when they're invited into your home, what they get to see also is a culture of community. Wow, these people like they love one another. They're committed. They're committed to me. I'm welcome here. Even if I'm a little bit awkward and messy, like they teach me and they, they encourage me on the rules, but I'm, I'm welcome, they, they love me. Um, this is huge. We, we teach by our culture, but, but, but God also says we, we also have to use our words. Sometimes we still, we, we need to talk, or, or what he says in Deuteronomy, that you would talk about it on the road and, um, you know, as you lay and as you wake up and as you, you know, go throughout your day, the, con- the, the understanding is that we need to get good at having conversations about, about God and about being a community with students. So so we need to be good at explaining the things that we do to the young people in our life. And so when they come and they're like, why is somebody being invited to play golf with us again that we talk about it? And we don't just say because they're my friend. We actually explain the gospel and and what God is doing and how God has saved us to live. That, That we tell kids that. That, that we communicate that and, and, and that we help them in the decisions they have to make that we talk through those things and share the gospel there too. see again to be a, to be a young person, to be like a teenager in our culture today, um, this is to be in a place where you have a load of big decisions. Just everything in life that you want to be in a part of they, they all conflict. And so if you want to be a part of youth group, it's at the same time as something that you want to do at school. If you want to be in this club, it affects some other club that you want to be a part of. And so you are just just constantly frustrated when you're a young person. And there's so many huge decisions and each of the decisions, like you always feel like something's going to hurt or something's going to be missed or somebody else is going to be missed. And so these are stressful and oftentimes students, they will come to the adults in their lives who they trust for help. Like This is a a great thing that they do when they're overwhelmed, when they're frustrated, they will talk to you or, or they'll talk to me. And a lot of times they'll say, I have two things to do. What should I do? And, and, and we need to learn to talk through that. And, and for me, what I find is when young people come to me, I, I don't know the answer. I don't know what they're supposed to do. But I, but I can. I can give them the gospel. And I can talk about you are saved to be a People. And I can ask him some questions. And so, one of the questions I like to ask him is well, who are you committed to? Who who are you already saying, I made a commitment to you in my life, to live in community with you? And so, in the decisions and the options you have, how will that decision affect those people? And even harder, have you shared that? Have you shared with them this tough decision that you're trying to make? Have you included and invited them into this decision? Can they pray for you? Can you talk through it with them? And overwhelmingly, I've never had a student say yes. A response is, why would I do that? My answer is, well, because you're a people. You committed yourself to them. And so, a part of living as a people is that we invite people to support us in these kinds of decisions. And what I find is amazing things happen when students do this. It's a real freeing thing. And so, a student can come and they can say, You know, I want to play basketball, and I know if I do that, I'm going to miss three months of youth group. What should I do? I'm like, Well, I don't know. Who are you committed to? Well, you know, I don't know. I'm committed to my team, but I'm committed to my small group too. and I love them and I love being together with them. And, and, and you know, so, so how do you think it'll affect them? Well, I know it'd be hard. I think everybody knows I got to make a choice. And so have you shared that with them? Well, no, but I will. And so it's amazing when students have these conversations with their friends, what'll happen? I mean they might go into their small group thinking that their small group's gonna be totally mad, that they're gonna be gone for a couple months because of a commitment. And and honestly what the small group might say is like, wow, that's huge that God's calling you to do that. Can we can we, we can pray for you about that, and, and we could meet up on Tuesday. We see each other at school all the time. We could tell you what we talked about on Sunday nights, and, and we could come to your games, and we could support you. And you may even have some of your friends on that team that could come and hang out with us. And all of a sudden, what happens is a student makes a decision, but it's in a communal kind of way. And relationship isn't hurt, it's actually built. So we've got to learn to talk about these things. I think we let young people off so easily. Like we always do the messy stuff for them. And so we're the ones who make those conversations. And we're the ones who go back to the groups or the team or whatever and tells them. And we've got to invite students to do that. We do that by our language. And sometimes still we have to lead them. And that's what he's saying when he's saying impress them on your children. In other words, passionately, diligently, be committed that they get these things the best that you can do. And and this involves leadership. And, And so in some of these life decisions, sometimes we need to tell young people no. I mean, you mean, as much as we're talking through things, like there's sometimes where we just have to say, you know what? This is going to affect how you are relating as a people. The answer is no, or the answer is yes. You need to go to this thing. Um, this is what we call parenting, or, or leadership, or, or serving, and and students oftentimes this is so frustrating for you when this happens. But you know what, when your parents who who love you and are following Jesus, um, when they're telling you no, this is an opportunity for you to act in faith or not. God God loves us enough and he places us in a family and he places us with people who know us and will lead us enough that that we have to trust him in that. And, And that's why scripture is often saying, children, obey your parents In the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. And then to adults, to fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. And so there are times where parents just say no, or you have to go. And you have an opportunity in faith to trust God and make the most of it and be humble or just to be frustrated and miserable. But God says it'll go well with you over time. And parents and adults, we need to do this again in a way that is gracious and and thoughtful and not exasperating. But this is how we teach community. Community. We create a culture. We talk about these things a lot. And sometimes we have to lead. And so my question to all of us tonight, again, is just kind of your home and in your world and the young people in your life, what's the culture like there? Does it say, does it show, does it demonstrate we are a people or not? And I think this is a great conversation for us to have right now. I mean, parents, kids, this is a great conversation for you to have, especially at the start of the school year when rhythms get set. Everything you do in the first few weeks, it drives the next few months of your life. So what a great time to have some conversations about what does it mean, again, to be a people and to look students in the eye and say, that's you as well. You know, if you don't have a student at home, would you pray for all of the families in this? And would you pray for our youth workers in this as we talk about it too? Do we have a culture? Are we leading kids in this and teaching them to live as God is inviting them to live as a people? As an individual, yes. But as an individual, a part of a whole. Let's pray. God, um, I love that you teach us things. That you don't leave us again on our own to figure these things out or to let culture dictate how we're supposed to live and follow you, um, but that you actually show us that. You tell us and you tell us how to do things. And yet God, we just admit that, that, that we need help in this. I want to thank you again, God, that, that you gave me some parents that showed me this. And I pray for um, myself and, and, and everybody else in this room that's a parent, that they would have wisdom to know how to, to grow their kids up in these things. And God, we don't always know when it's right to say no and when it's right to let kids make decisions. But I just pray that you would give us wisdom to know how to do this. Again, that gateway is as people look outside this place, as they look at how we live um, with one another, that they would see this as a place of community, as a place that that sings your praises because of how we function. God, would you do that in us as we go forward? In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs)